All right, First Samuel chapter number 16. First Samuel chapter number 16. First Samuel chapter 16. And um, looking forward to this chapter. This is, this is a chapter we've been building to. And um, we've uh, got a lot, a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to jump right in it. Um, we have, David has been anointed. David has met Saul. Saul is still on the throne. And, uh, I'm sorry, 17, 1 Samuel 17. And, uh, <clears throat> David has now met Saul. Uh, he has been anointed to be king. God has rejected Saul. But David is, is going to be a while before he's on the throne. There, there are some things that will take place and occur and uh, for, you know, for everything to unfold and for David to finally be on the throne. But it's, it's making its way and our chapter tonight is, uh, is a step in that direction. We have the, the account of David and Goliath, and uh, just what a great what a great chapter this is going to be. We may not finish it. Um, it's it's a very long chapter. It's fifty eight verses. So, um, let's see here. We we may we, we'll see we'll, we'll we'll see how far we get. I may may be able to get through it. Uh, it's pretty long. Uh, but we'll, we'll see where the breaks are in the chapter. I try to keep podcast uh, limited to 30 minutes. We may go a little past that tonight, uh, but we, uh, we're going to start here quickly. 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah and Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between. So uh, the Philistines, they are a nemesis to uh, Israel to to Judah and uh, the Philistines are always a picture of the world. Uh, they are a picture of of our enemies that we face and what would come against us in our uh, service, our lives for the living God. And so that's where we're at. We've got the Philistines and we've got the people of God here, and um, so 17.1, Goliath, we, we see this, look with me, 17.1, uh, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and there were gathered together Shoko, which belonged to Judah, pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah, and Ephes Damon, so um, you're going to find as we go through this that Goliath is about nine feet tall, okay? Um, nine feet three inches to be exact. If you look at the the uh, 
measurements given in the Bible and translated. Uh, he is one of the last remaining remaining descendants of the giants that once lived in Canaan. Because you remember, it, it, this is this is good because it it kind of overlaps in some of what we've been studying on Sunday morning, and um, uh, so it, with the overlap, and we uh, we we're going to see this that uh, the giants were mentioned do you remember um in in numbers it was in numbers and in numbers we uh saw that the spies went over and they saw that there were giants in the land well what you see here is that they Goliath is one of the last remaining descendants of the giants that we've seen in the book of Numbers. And so that's that's what Goliath is. Okay, he we, we read throughout the scriptures that Goliath is a uh or the of giants, the sons of God, sons of God, daughters of men. There's a great study that we could uh, go on and, and deal with there, but we're, that's not our subject matter tonight. But it is important that you know the descendancy of Goliath. And again, he is one of the last remaining descendants from those that we see in the book of Numbers in Canaan land. So let's go to verse number four. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. So he's from Gath, whose height was six cubits, and a span. Verse 5, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. Um, the weight of the shekel varies, you'll find, and uh, it's different countries. But the coat of armor that Goliath wore uh, is probably 126 pounds. So you're you're talking about a large uh, person, a large man, large giant. Naturally, um, not only that, very strong. He's wearing 126 pounds of of a coat um, in in this text and and in the situation. So he he's a he's a willing foe and nemesis that David is up against. In verse 5, and he, or verse number uh, 6, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass upon his shoulders. Greaves are armor that are designed to protect the legs uh, that run from the knees to the ankles, so basically your, your shin area. And... Um, Verse number 7, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And um, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. So uh, 600 shekels is probably 15 pounds. What, what's the point, preacher? The point is he is, he is large, he is strong, um, Israel is afraid of him, they... they don't want anything to do with facing him. He is a nemesis, and he is a very worthy opponent, to say the least. He could kill most of them with one hand. 
So verse number 8, he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, your enemies will always cry at you. They will yell at you. The, 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 the fights that you have in your head, that it'll cry aloud against you. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. So he says, Your servants of Saul, pick you one out. Pick the best man you got and send him to me. Now notice that. He said, choose you a man. Verse 9, if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against you or him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. So there's a lot on the line here. A lot on the line. Um, if, if, if Goliath wins this battle then what you're going to find is they they will be servitude to the world. They'll be servitude to the enemy. They will uh, be at the mercy of the enemy. Okay? So, verse number 9, if he be able to fight with me to kill me, verse number 10, I'm sorry, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So again, he calls for a man second time. I'm emphasizing that for a reason. That when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. In other words, they were overcome with fear. Now David was the son of that Ephraite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went, went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three that went to the battle were Eliab, firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. So, we've seen this before, haven't we? Haven't we seen this play out already, like in the last chapter, when uh, they were looking for a man to be king, when they were looking for one of Jesse's sons to be king, and they went among the oldest. I mean, even Jesse went among the oldest and said, you know, which one do you want? And God said, I don't want any of them. I want David. I want the young one. Let's see what's changed here. Verse 15, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Bethlehem, that's a familiar place, isn't it? We've, we've talked about that as of late. There's no coincidence that's where Jesus would be born at as well. The Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. 40 in the Bible is the number of judgment. Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah, this parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their, ten th of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and <clears throat> take their pledge. Now Saul, and they all, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. So this is still going on. Now, here's the thing. 
David is the anointed king of Israel. He's not on the throne yet, but he has absolutely been anointed. He's been chosen by God. He has been anointed. And yet here he is still. He's not fighting. He's not on the front lines of the battle. He's not instrumental in the fight. He's basically the the porter, the the errand boy for his older brothers as they fight against the Philistines. That tells me a couple things. From man's perspective, they still aren't taking David seriously. Even his own family. And you'll see more of that in just a moment. So David's own family isn't even taking him seriously. Not only that, but for God to end up using David greatly, as he will, David must have hold and have a place of servitude. And so we got some lessons here. He's taken a lower place because ultimately he's going to take a much higher place. <clears throat> Verse number 20. Uh, the trend, This was going to be a circle. You'll, you'll see this. Verse 20. David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array and um, against an army. A battle in array against an army. My Bible's a little... Army against army. Sorry, my, my page was crinkled and I was having trouble reading that. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. Okay, here we go. David has yet, until now, to come face to face with Goliath. David has been tending his father's sheep, and he's just basically bringing lunch, bringing cheese sandwiches uh, to his brothers while they fight the battle, or not really fighting, just kind of standing back looking for somebody that might fight. But David is has not came across Goliath yet. So I want you to imagine this scene. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene as, as we would look at this. Now, I want you to consider and think about this quickly. David, ladies and gentlemen, has yet to meet Goliath. I'm sure he's heard of him. He, he knows about what uh, Goliath is and who Goliath is and you know, what's taking place. He's heard about this this uh, nemesis. He's heard about this enemy. He, he's heard about this foe, uh, this one that could kill all of them very easily should he choose to do so. And um, that being the case, I'll, I take note of this. Watch. It's so good. David comes, he takes the cheese sandwiches to his, his brethren, just like his father wanted him to do. And as he does, look with me. Verse number, let's see here, verse number 24. 
All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and they were sore afraid. Now, the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What happened? David overheard the God of heaven being cursed, being denied, being disputed, being defiled. And as he does, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who, who is this that's cursing the, the God and the armies of the living God? And the, he's offended by this. He can't believe somebody's doing it. And furthermore, he can't believe anyone's standing around allowing it to happen. Now, Let's look at our next verse, verse number 27, verse number 27. Verse 27, and the people answered him after this manner, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, when he spake unto the men, heard when he spake unto the men, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And whom lest the few sheep in the wilderness. Now this, that, that's notable. This is his own brother, and what he's doing is he is making light of David. He he doesn't think David can can fight. He certainly doesn't think he can fight this giant. In other words, he's underestimating David. He's not thinking much of David. This is his own brother. He says, what are you doing down here? He says, notice he says, these few sheep... What Notice what he says here. This is so good. He says, And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? He belittles what David is doing. He belittles David's job. He says those few sheep in the wilderness. And then he goes a step further. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. It's funny. People always know your heart and your motive, especially those that aren't doing anything. That's important. The brothers have been out here for 40 days. Nobody has stepped up to take on the fight, but yet they sit in judgment over David coming against the Philistine. You see that all the time. You want to, I know why you want to start a church. Well, what are you doing for God? I, I know what y'all's motive is. I I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking. Well, what are you doing for God? For 40 days, Eliab and the rest, and then they'll belittle it, your little church, your little ministry, those few sheep. That's That's what Eliab is doing here. That's what Eliab's saying here. Making making mockery, under, uh, just underestimating what David is and what David's doing. 
And then they begin to psychoanalyze David's motives. I know why you're here. You want to see a fight. I know the naughtiness of your heart and thine pride. For thou art come down that thou mightest seen a battle. One big problem here. One, one big problem. The fact that we're talking about a man. I said it last time. Last time we spoke about David. And when we spoke about David, what did I say? That God looketh on the heart and that he was a man after God's own heart. And they said, Eliab saying, I know the naughtiness of your heart. I'm sorry, you got it wrong. I'm sorry, you got Sean Brigman wrong. I'm sorry, you got Bethany Baptist Church wrong. I'm sorry, you got our motivation wrong. Because you can psychoanalyze all you want. You can think you know the answer all you want. You think you can know the motive all you want. But the reality is, the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, nobody knows the heart that people and we and I and our church have for God. There's a great parallel in what we're teaching today. People can belittle. People can underestimate. They can underestimate and over step and overspeak our motives and what we're doing and why we're doing it. But I got news for you. We got giants to fight. We got giants to slay and nobody will step up. Everybody wants to sit around and talk. Everybody wants to sit on the sidelines, stand on the mountaintop and talk. But we got giants to fight out there. And based on those giants, I ask this next question Verse number 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David challenges them. He says, you don't worry about what, I, what I'm doing here. He says, what have I now done? He said, the reason I'm in here is because there's a cause. There is a fight. Y'all can stand around and let God be cursed. You can stand around and let the armies of the living God be cursed. You can stand around and be humiliated by this Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine. But I see a cause in this and I'm not going to let it happen anymore. So, motivation for Sean Brigman, motivation for Bethany Baptist Church, motivation for what we're doing and what we want to do, I'll tell you the motivation. We've lost a lot of ground for a long time to a world and the Philistines and too many giants out there, and we're stepping up and, and, and have started this work that is one year old this month proclaiming is there not a cause? And I answer that question, you better believe there's a cause. Verse 30, And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. So he repeated it. He looked around and said, Anybody else got anything to say? Here's what I'm going to tell you too. Anybody else want to make mention of what they think I'm doing or why I'm doing? Here's what I'll tell you too. Now watch this. He turns. This is great. Verse 30. He turned from him toward another, spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. They don't even know what to do with David at this point. This is, so, this is just so beautiful. 
so applicable, so strong, just such a great reality and application to what what we live, what we face, what we see as a church and as the people of God. Further, uh, verse number 31, and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for them, for him. So now they go tell Saul. <laughs> they go tell. You know what David said? You know what Sean Bregman said on podcast? Do you know what he said in his message? David is, is so intent. David is so sincere. David is out to serve God. And his brothers go to Saul. You know what David said? You ain't going to believe what David said. Standing on the sidelines, doing nothing better, but talking about what David's doing. That's most churches. That's a lot of Christians. That's a lot of people that don't like the fact that there exists a Bethany Baptist Church. You know what them very people are doing? They're standing on the sidelines doing nothing, criticizing people that want to do something. You're welcome. Verse 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David said, you guys have worried too long. You've stressed too long. You've backed down too long. He said, I, I don't even want you to be upset anymore. I don't want you to worry anymore. I'll go fight the Philistine. Nobody else wants to fight him. I'll go fight him. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Now, that's that's good. Do you remember when this started? Saul kept saying, send a man, send a man. Said it to, or Goliath said it twice. Send a man, send a man. God said, all right, I'll send a boy. Now, not only is Goliath big, not only is he strong, not only is he a willing foe, but he's a man of war. He's been fighting since he was young. And so Saul's statement concerning Goliath is, you're but a youth. He's been a man of war since his youth. So nobody's estimating David to do what he's about to do. Everyone's underestimating him. Everyone, no, no one is giving him any kind of hope. So, let's look, if we can, to verse number 34. Verse number 34. Look there with me. Verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion. So what he does, he draws strength on a past victory. Now, you remember that. When you go into a battle, you face a battle, and we don't know what kind of battles we're going to face. You may face a giant next week. You may face a giant today. You may face a giant tomorrow. The first step, once David steps up to do something about it, 
is he begins to draw strength on a past victory that God has given him. Look there with me. Verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose again against me, I called him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now, something I find interesting about that, when his brothers were sitting around doing nothing, they were making light of just keeping sheep. Well, it looks to me as you read these verses that David wasn't just being uh, nobody keeping sheep. He was out there fighting battles, keeping those sheep alive. And you know, people don't know the backstory. They see Sunday morning message. They see things occur. They, they hear the message and they think they know every answer based on that. But folks don't always know the backstory. And David's saying, you thought I was just out there on the, the, the hillside giving grass to the sheep and laying there playing a harp out there in the grass, taking it easy. But you, you don't know the back story. You don't know the battles that have been fought. I think about that with preaching a lot of times. People hear a Sunday morning message, they don't understand the efforts that go into the preparation and the study time to do it, the battles that are being fought. People see a Christian that isn't singing a sad song all the time. They see a Christian that, that you know, I, I speak of Miss Brenda a lot. I know Miss Brenda hurts, and I know Miss Brenda has bad days, but you, you never know what to hear. She's always full of joy and happiness and victory and, and positivity. And people think, oh, she's got it. No, she don't have it easy. She just... She, she, she don't let folks see the battle that are that's being fought. She wants to present victory in Jesus Christ and not complaining about everything all the time. And that that's that's what God wants for us. That there belittled David. They've made fun of David. They said you're not up to the task, and and now he's letting it be known that look, there's been fights I've had that you don't know anything about. It, because I've not advertised it to the world. Now watch. Watch this. Verse number 37. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he would deliver me, deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. David said, The same God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear is going to deliver me from this Philistine that I'm about to fight. Saul says, all right, have at it, big boy. Saul armed David with his armor. He put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Now, here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. You remember that, that Saul was the biggest guy around other than Goliath? David is going out to fight. David, that Saul says, look, well, go in my armor. And so David goes to put on the armor. Can't you just imagine, David's not that big of a guy. Can't you just imagine Saul's armor dangling off of David? David looks around and he says, look, I hadn't proved this. I, I fought battles. 
but I've never fought them in your armor. I'm going in what I know. And you know something? I'm not looking for the methods of anyone else and things that they've done. What I want to do is the methods that I know work, and that is teaching and preaching this Bible. Teaching and preaching this Bible. Here's what... Listen, we're, 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 I, I'm, we're building a church. We're building a church for the long haul, the long haul of the journey. We're probably going to finish right here on this, but because I, I want to close on this. David's proven armor. David's proven armor. I've done this before. I've told you that. I've started with 28. 28. And what we saw happen and what occurred came through exactly what we're doing right here, right now, at Bethany Baptist Church. And you're going to find Bible preaching and Bible teaching will attract a certain type of Christian. A real Christian for one thing, but it'll attract a, a mature people that want to learn the Word of God they don't have to be babied. They don't have to be coddled. They're not there for the games. They're, they're, they're not there for social interaction necessarily. It's good. But they're there to learn the Word of God, to hear it preached and taught, God to be glorified in doing so. That's what we're going to do at Bethany Baptist Church. And... You're going to find that some people, it's not for everybody. Some people, all, all that church is to them is some kind of social function. That's it. And the fact of the matter is that's not the objective of the church. Now, the important thing to note in this is what's proven. What's proven method? Well, I can tell you the method that we're, we've set about and the course that we've set about doing is a method that I have seen work in my own life and my own ministry. It's a method that I've seen many others follow and seen work in their lives and their ministries. And I always find it amusing when people say, well... I I don't I don't I don't know about that place or I don't know if I want to go there. I want to go because this place has this or they've got you know this program or they got here's here's the, the truth of the matter. Bible teaching, Bible preaching will expose, it will convict, and you'll find that marginal people Marginal church members, marginal Christians, they won't stand it for the long term. You know, pe people that like to get drunk, they're welcome. I, I would love for them to be there and come because I want them to get help. But 
if they don't acknowledge and repent of that, there's going to come a time when Bible teaching and preaching won't be for them anymore. They'll like some Sundays. They'll like them Joseph stories, and they'll like those those Jacob stories, and they'll love those David stories, but then there'll be that be not drunk with wine, whereas an excess message, and you know what, that, hmm, I don't know how much I like that. Or, you know, they, they love that, that, that uh, Ruth, they love that Rahab message. Then you start preaching on gossip, backbiting, being two-faced and double-tongued. Well, I just, I just feel led. Right, right, I, I understand it. I've been at this a long time. And I know that people give reasons that always aren't the reasons. And I know that Bible preaching and Bible teaching, it should, it is for everyone, but everyone, that's not their objective in coming to church. And ladies and gentlemen, what you'll find is over a period of years, not months, not weeks, years, that what you will build with a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, Bible believing church is a strong church, a unified church, a church that can withstand storms, withstand problems, withstand things that come your way. Because it'll be built upon solid, mature membership. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is proven armor. So David's about to go out and fight this Philistine. And as he does so, Saul says, here, take my armor. David says, I can't use your armor. It's never been proven. So that's my lesson. That's my message tonight. I can't use your armor because it's never been proven. I've got proven armor. Sean Brigman's got proven armor. And we're going to put that armor on and we're going to walk right out into the valley of Elah and we're going to slay the giants. That's Bethany Baptist Church. In fact, David didn't even wear the armor because it wasn't proven. But what was proven was the fact that he goes in the name of the Lord his God. We've gotten about halfway through this chapter and we're going to close out right here. And then as we go into next week, we will defeat Goliath and show you the jealousy of Saul getting started. Tonight's lesson, I can't wear your armor. It's never been proven. Have a good night. I love each of you.